Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Biomass. This is episode 169, I believe. Uh, we got a good lineup here, so let's get started with some introductions, starting at the top of the list with Sarizel. Hi, I'm Sarizel. Um, I play Overwatch, uh, Heroes of the Storm, and very little else most of the time. Um, and and that's me. And cheats on other podcasts. I do. I do. Just a <laughs> little was bit. Late. He was late too. It's a little late. Not too much infidelity, just a little late. All right, Bait, you're up, man. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Bait, and uh, I pre-ordered the new Assassin's Creed game. Do, do you not, like, listen to our show, like, where we tell you to never pre-order anything anymore? No, 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 no dude, I'm going to do it. I did it. I did it, which, and everybody should pre-order the game. Which which version did you get? Uh, the not $800 one. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that, that's the first test. So, so which one did you actually get, though? I just got the standard edition. Okay. What does that one come with? Like the standard $60 one? Uh, yes. Just the game. I don't just care about the season pass and one bonus mission and some cool weapons that have bad stats. Okay, so it does come with some stuff for pre-ordering, just the standard version. Well, that's nice, I guess. Oh, no. The standard oh. version is the game, but... The uh, other, I can't be bothered to pay more he, money. He pre-ordered, and he's not even getting pre-order bonuses. Right? That, that, that's, that's what that's what threw me off. <laughs> I was I was usually usually it's like you know you get a steel book or something like that. Like I'll I'll actually pre-order for a steel book if I'm uh, if I'm confident about the game. But I've never understood know. the steel book thing. I it looks it looks nice on the shelf. I I mean, but like so like for me it's it's Blu-rays, and then sometimes there'll be like a steel book version, and I'm like, but then it won't match all my other Blu-rays. Well, because you didn't buy the steelbook for all of them. That's the problem. You can't get a steelbook for all of them. <laughs> well, then you should get those digital so you don't have to have the regular plastic one. It's Blasphemy! <laughs> all right, Jay, you're up. Yep. Okay, this is Jay. I'm also one of the uh, purveyors here of the Biomass Media Empire. And since it's episode 169, uh, I'm going to reach back deep into my Guitar Hero days. And then when you fire Ooh. up the game, if you look at the two sco- the scoreboards that are up there, there's only two numbers they show, 169 and 666. That is obscure as hell. I'm impressed. Play Guitar Hero, brother. <laughs> I, well, I, I did play I played the hell out of Guitar Hero, but it's been a long time. So, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's a good game. Uh, and I'm uh, Pokey Draven. I help host the show here. Um, I do a lot of our uh, gameplay stuff that we put up on YouTube. And I've been playing a lot of Fortnite, which is still really fun. So, enjoying that one. But uh, let's get started here with some movies and entertainment. Got some good news here. Well, sort of good news. So, <laughs> I've got a thing where I get really annoyed when characters don't stay dead, when they make a big deal about killing a character. So, Avatar... You're definitely in the wrong line of work. You know that, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's it's been a real pet peeve of mine lately that it's like, if you don't see the body like absolutely disintegrate into dust and fly off into the distance and even then you can't be sure you cannot they're be still sure. alive some way yeah so should, um uh. yeah so the announcement is that uh uh avatar 2 is expected in uh 2020 at this point with uh sequels coming in 2021 2024 and 2025 uh, is so there's four avatar sequels currently slated to come out and uh james cameron has said that stephen lang who uh played a character that seemed very blatantly killed in the first movie, will be the villain in all four of the sequels. And he, he yeah. was and he was not like not like one of the 
the characters with some like sci-fi powers or or you know who got reincarnated as a navi although if he's in four sequels it's probably gonna happen at some point right um he was just like a marine dude and he took like two gigantic arrows to the chest and was like dead like really blatantly dead um and and a Apparently he's not, because, you know, of course not. Yeah, and even in that movie, I was like, just die already. Like, they just, he just kept going for a long time in the film. When he finally dies, like, oh, thank God it's over. And no, they're going to milk him, because somehow they're going to get four more movies out of this franchise, and they're going to have the same villain the whole time. Like, really? I it just, I don't, I really worry about the plot of these, these sequels. I mean, I like What the his, hell they're going to do. I, I liked his character. I, yeah, I, but I, it was he, good. He's movie, done. But he's yes. done. Like that. That should have been it. Like it just seems really unimaginative to just recycle the same villain for five movies. Like shit. Like Darth Vader didn't even live that long in Star Wars. I, I would. I would happily allow you to, uh, you know, reuse Heath Ledger's Joker for five Batman movies if you could resurrect uh, it. But yeah that's different though <laughs> it still would kind of get a little old i think like it loses it loses the um finds the character i think when you have that much going on i mean you, you don't even see even like protagonists for five films it's like well shit like you're kind of sick of seeing this guy you know can we please get a new james bond just just throwing it out there you know what's the current one what's wrong I, with uh, daniel craig do not like him at all why not really you're terrible i, just, I don't i'm sorry Who's your favorite Bond then? I I, I grew up during the um, what's his face. Um, I don't know their names. Your credibility is waning. Way yeah, quickly. yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna take a stab. I'm gonna take it. Pierce Brosnan. That's that's the guy. I grew up during his <laughs> movies. He's Bond to me. Everyone else is just not. That's I I get it. There are people who are older than me have their favorite Bonds, and I don't like the new one. That's that's what it comes down to. I haven't actually seen anything older than Pierce Brosnan Bond. Okay. Be- all right. If let's just say you had complete productorial directorial control here, you could cast who would you pick as your next Bond? I have no clue, and I'm not even gonna try. All right, let's move on. <laughs> we <Aww>. have sauce. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, speaking of the Joker, and I, I imagine Zell was trying to segue with that one, uh, there is a new Batman uh, cartoon coming out, and it's actually the final performance of Adam West as Batman, and apparently William Shatner plays Two-Face, is, is that right? Yeah, so um, I think it was like a year or two ago, uh, they did a ba- Batman animated movie called Return of the Cape Crusaders, which was with Adam West and Burt Ward, and I believe most of the villains were portrayed by their original voices as well. Uh, and obviously since they are decades older than their characters is it's animated, but it's animated to look like the old sixties Batman show. Um, and then, and then this is the sequel to that. And, and, uh, as we have since lost Adam West, this is his absolutely final performance. And so I thought that was worth highlighting and the note that William Shatner just, I, is two-face. It's a little odd. Um, you know, it, it, you can hear his, it, it's very Shatner in his, in his, uh, in the trailer. So, um, yeah. It was a pretty good trailer though. I mean, it's, it's obviously going for a certain, uh, you know, style, like you said, the, the 60s style of Batman, but it, it was, it was, it's not my cup of tea, but I think it, it captured that pretty well. So it was actually a pretty good trailer. It, it should be good for people that are, um, 
you know, looking for a bit of a nostalgia rush there. And still, with the exception of Wonder Woman, DC animated department like has made drastically better films in general than anything you'll see in a theater from DC. Um, oh, well, I mean, they, they make better movies than you'll see from most films in the theater, or most most things you'll see on a big screen. Yeah, their animated work is oddly very very good compared to some of their other stuff i mean this i remember growing up with even just you know the tv series of you know batman animated series is like still like to this day like really really high quality compared to everything else that came out at the time so they they know what they're doing with the animated stuff so you know whenever they come out with a new movie and people kind of scoff at you know straight dvd cartoon releases of movies but it's like guys they actually make some really good shit so i, I try not to discount it at all all right so in other news we've got I'm sure Jay is very depressed that he did not, unfortunately, earn the role of Cable um, for Deadpool 2. However, oh, Rob, oh, Rob. <laughs> however, Josh Brolin and uh, and uh, um, he posted up on Twitter with some pictures of his outfit from uh, Deadpool 2 as Cable, and it looks it looks badass. Like I was, I was like, holy shit! I'm like, that's that's really good. Like they took kind of the the classic, you know, cyborg looking guy. And they, they really kind of tweaked it to make it look really good and, and, and look great on like a more, you know, obviously a live action setting. So I thought it looked fantastic. What, what do you think, Jay? It was really good. I mean, I, I'd been kind of, I'd been kind of eager to see what it was going to look like. And they, they did it, you know, they, they did it pretty well. I mean, um, Josh Brolin, is, he's not like, he, he's not a, a huge guy to start with. He, I mean, he's obviously clearly hit the gym for this. Uh, you know, cables almost, you know, he is, you know, I was about to say something foolish, like he, well, he's a cartoonishly large. He, he is a comic book character, but, um, they did a pretty good, uh, job of capturing, I, I think the, uh, the basic. So, and, and really the simple fact is Josh Brolin's a pretty, pretty solid actor. Uh, so I think it'll be fun to watch him and, and Ryan Reynolds kind of play off each other. Uh, because Josh Brolin's pretty, he's, like I said, he's pretty solid. He's got some really good dramatic acting chops. And I think it, it what I can see happening is uh, if he plays it totally straight while Reynolds does whatever he's going to do as Deadpool, that will make that movie work. Like it's literally got to be like they're in the same frame, but literally acting in two separate movies that would probably work really, really well, but he looks really solid. And um, on a second note, they did cast Domino uh, with, uh, I think Zazie beats uh, pretty, it was kind of neat. Uh, so they went with an African-American girl who has like a, a white spot around her eye, like a vitiligo spot, uh, as opposed to what uh, Domino normally looks like, which is kind of like vampire pale with like a black, almost like a, you know, like a spot dog kind of circle over or, uh, one of her eyes. So uh, I have not seen anything, but a lot of people like gave, gave her great reviews and a couple of other, uh, I think, smaller bits and movies she's done, that kind of thing. So all in all, I mean, it looks, I mean, Visually, it seems to look pretty solid. And in uh, Brolin and Reynolds do have a bit of a Twitter, uh, you know, they, they Twitter volley back and forth at each other occasionally. So it looks like they're going to start picking up the uh, the Deadpool social media machine, which, for the record, I think was one of the most uh, ingenious and successful marketing campaigns that I've seen anywhere uh, in terms of trying to uh, generate business for a uh, for a single property. I'm fairly confident that that movie would not have done remotely as well if they had not done such a masterful job on social media, uh, you know, tooling up Deadpool one. So it, I suspect they're going to continue uh, that same vibe here in, in the next Deadpool. 
Yeah, I mean, their marketing on that was just very unique and, and brilliant. I mean, with the uh, Valentine's Day spoof po- uh, billboards they did, you know, playing it off like it was this romantic comedy. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, sure. That's exactly what it is. And, and probably dragged a few people who were completely unaware of what it was into the theater. But, you know, it was, it was all pretty fun. Now, what I'm looking forward to is because I think, um, as you guys know, uh, Brolin is playing Thanos in uh, Avengers Infinity Wars as well. Um, and the movies are coming out both next year around the same time. I think Deadpool 2 is slated for maybe a month or two after Infinity Infinity Wars comes out. But I'm I can only imagine the references that you know fourth wall breaking stuff that Deadpool's going to make about you know Cable not being purple and sitting on a throne or something. So that that should be pretty fun. I think to see his performance in both of them and and obviously the Deadpool's comments about it because you know they'll bring it up at some point. So that should be pretty fun. I think. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure they're pretty sure we're going to get all, all forms of uh, Tom Fuller and Lob Cockery involved in this one. But it uh, it should be I, I think it's going to be pretty interesting, actually. I, I am kind of curious, like what if they're actually pulling this from one of the, the original like Cable Deadpool storylines or the ori- or kind of uh, how Cable kind of got brought into the into the Marvel Universe. It'll be kind of interesting. He's got a very. As with many comic book characters, he has a fairly complex backstory that's involved with a lot, a lot of time traveling and all kind of craziness like that. But it's uh, it'll be kind of interesting to see what he does. Did you guys notice the uh, the teddy bear in his uniform? I, I didn't until I pulled up the picture for the show here, and I'm like, what what's right. going on with that? So there, and that's why I was kind of curious, which like you know, what is the raison d'être of Cable coming in, kind of thing? A what, one of the more significant story arcs is him trying to find his daughter hope summers so he's nathan summers son of scott summers aka cyclops and a clone of gene gray that was sent like you know hundreds of years to the future right like when he was an infant raised there did all kind of craziness became the cable then came back and uh, at some point his daughter gets into the mix and he spends a very long story arc, a very long time in the comics, like basically almost in real time, like raising a kid. Like you, you know, he does a lot of like, you know, defending the infant kind of things, stuff like that. So it was pretty solid. It'd be, it'd be kind of interesting to see if that's what they're bringing in. But it, that was, I caught the teddy bear and I was like, I wonder if he's looking for his daughter, uh, like an, you know, a baby basically. So he's, he's rolling around with a teddy bear. Yeah, that should be interesting. It, it's I, I am I don't know as much about his backstory as, as you obviously do, but he does look like a very interesting character, and I know a little bit, so it should be good. I'm, I'm curious to see kind of how they take it and, and where they go with it. Yep, like I said, I mean, I, right right now they're you know their ace is on everything, so I'll be I'll be kind of see I'll be kind of interested to see how it works out. Yeah, yeah, I do hope they can actually nail it as well as they did the first film. So we'll here's here's hoping and uh, hopefully not too much longer to go. I think we have probably nine months, 10 months, something like that. So we're, we're getting, we're getting there. All right. So one thing I did want to talk about, and I mentioned a few weeks back that, uh, Stan Lee got involved with a, uh, Japanese production company that does anime, um, and is kind of co-producing an anime called the reflection. And uh, a few episodes have come out in Japanese, but since Stan Lee is actually a voice actor in the English dub, I decided to hold off and, and try watching it in English. So this last week, uh, the first episode of the reflection came out dubbed on Funimation. So I kind of want to talk about it a bit about it just briefly. Um, probably the biggest thing that is worth mentioning is the art style. 
Um, it's very unique. I would say that they've done an interesting job at trying to combine uh, traditional anime style with an American comic style. So imagine like anime characters with kind of the way their eyes are drawn and in the faces and that sort of thing, but very heavily cell shaded with like the big thick, you know, black outline that you might see more in an American comic. And that's kind of what you get with the reflections. It's a very rough, heavily cell shaded um, anime, but like I said, they, they've really tried to, to bake in that American style comic. So the visuals are unique. I would say that's not the best looking show in the world, but it's it's definitely trying to be artistic in what it's doing. So, you know, you're not going to expect something from like the really big names like Ufotable or something like that. It's they're, they're trying to be stylized with it. So it's interesting. I think it, um, in that regard, it's just worth taking a look at. Um, even in just like clips or something like that, just because, like I said, it is kind of a cool mix of, of a traditional Japanese anime and American comic style. So that's that's good. So it's a, it's like a full series or just like a – is it a short run? Do you know anything about it or anything more it, on that end? I think it's a 12-episode series. It's a full season. Okay. Yeah, I've um, thought of that. I was, I, I literally, I, I'd kind of heard about it, but when you linked it for in our show notes, that was the first I'd seen actually seen any of it. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. kind of curious to see how this is going to work out. Yeah. So you know, art style aside, um, the first episode was honestly kind of a rough start. I think um, it was kind of slow and the show is extremely light on dialogue it's it's there's very very few lines that are spoken which is a little strange it's all kind of shown through you know context of situation that sort of thing and people just don't talk much uh which kind of made the dub feel a little weird i think just because it 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 was you'd have these big long spans of no one talking and then this dub would come in for like two lines and then you'd be gone again so that felt a little jarring um the way that the animation works is it's almost like a motion comic where it's a lot of very still shots. There's like, you know, kind of like a rotoscoping, like they'll pan the camera, but it's just kind of like layers. It's difficult to describe, but that again is, is a little weird. Sometimes Um, they mix in a lot of uh, cell shaded CG to kind of get certain angles, like flying through a city. So again, it's, it's unique, but a little strange looking sometimes as well. Um, the story is also a little slow on the start. Uh, again, there's very little dialogue. They don't even explain what's kind of going on until the very end of the episode. Um, so it was kind of hard to, to, to grasp on and see what was going on with it. Um, but basically this, the synapsis is, is that there was this event called the reflection, which was this massive event that just kind of swept across the globe and it apparently killed off like a ton of people, but those who survived started to develop like different kinds of superpowers and that sort of thing. So you know, it, it's it's similar to some other shows that have come out recently, but that's kind of the general thought of it. So this story kind of takes place three years after the reflection on the anniversary of the event. And, you know, I'll, I'll leave it to you to, to kind of take a look at it and see what you think of it. But, uh, yeah, just kind of a slow start, honestly. I'll, I'll watch it through to the end um, simply because it is a Stanley in you know anime and he's involved and I, I do want to see where they go with it and it, there have been many cases where i've disliked a first episode and actually ended up being really good so you know i'm going to give it a fair shot and watch the whole thing but uh you know like i said it's 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 a rough start they're trying to do some some different things with it um 
it's very like it's very stylized in, in both storytelling and artwork. So, you know, I do suggest that you check it out, even if you're not like an anime fan, just to see what they're doing. And, uh, you know, give it a fair shot, I think. And I, I'm not really sure if it's going to be good or not, but it does seem like it could go somewhere. It's just, like I said, it's a rough start. So, you know, that's that's my kind of first impressions on it. And I'll, I'll do a full review probably when we get to the end or maybe the halfway point of the show and, and let you know how it's going so far. But, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, Available on in in Japanese, I think in many different places. I know Crunchyroll's got it. I think um, I don't know if Netflix picked it up or not. I think Hulu might have it. Uh, but if you want to watch the dub, I think it's dubbed exclusively through Funimation. That is going to require um, a Funimation Premium uh, subscription, which I think is like six bucks a month or something like that. Which is a little unfortunate if you want to watch it and actually, you know, kind of get what I would feel is kind of the full experience of having Stanley actually involved with the voice and, and that sort of thing. So that's a bit of a shame. So if you want to watch it dubbed, I think Funimation is your only legal option. There are, of course, places you can get it online um, for free. Um, if you look around, we're not going to get into that. But, uh, you know, just keep in mind that you're probably going to find the subbed version uh, more readily available than the dubbed version. So I would keep an eye out for that one. But like I said, it's, it's, it seems interesting. We'll see how it goes, you know. All right, so moving into some gaming news here. Uh, Zell, our Overwatch fanatic. Um, so Team Deathmatch mode. This is something that the Overwatch community has been uh, discussing for a while, and it looks like you guys are finally getting it. So are you excited for this? Is this your kind of thing, or do you play more objective mode? You know, we'll see. I, I, I think objective modes are more fun. I've had a lot more fun with objective modes in other games, and then Overwatch settled on only having objective modes. Um and then what, what was really funny to me about this, though, and we'll, we'll, we'll have the video in the show notes, is uh, Jeff Kaplan, who's the, the head of game design and stuff over there, literally has said before multiple times, we do not ever intend to have Deathmatch. It doesn't fit this game. We're not doing it. You know? So this whole video is him like, so I know I said we'd never do it. But, uh, yeah, we're doing it, and uh, we think you'll really love it, and and this and that. It's really funny because it's such a huge reversal for them. Um, but uh, the, the highlight point is that since they did the arcade, you know, kind of arcade mode where they could put different game modes in there, like capture the flag and stuff like that, without putting them in the main rotation, they could just have, you know, side games, um, that this is one of the things that they're like, well... We wouldn't want to do this for the main game, but we can do this now. And uh, they're doing a team deathmatch and a standalone deathmatch, you know, or free for all. And then they're also going to have, as part of the game browser thing, that you can create custom game modes, including deathmatch based modes. So they're adding a lot of additional potential optional rules uh, to the game. Well, I mean, if your fan base is, you know, a large portion is asking for something. I mean, I can imagine you, you want to stick to your kind of vision for the game, but if, you know, you're trying to make a business here and sell stuff, so you kind of got to cater to your customers to a degree. So I, I'm not surprised that they, they eventually put this in. That's a pretty common mode for any, you know, any sort of, you know, uh, hero or FPS-based game. So it, it was probably a matter of time. They were just trying to hold out, but I think the, the voices of the fans kind of eventually won over in the end. So it, it's good that they could kind of keep it off to the side, though. I think that'll you know, not really disrupt the core experience of what they're trying to do, but still give people, you know, the option to go off and, and do a specific type. So that, that's, that's good, I think. Yeah, I, I, just, I just thought particularly some of the tone in the video was particularly funny because 
he is like, yeah, I know I said we'd never do it, but we're doing it. <laughs> right. Like, ah, fine, you win, you know? And, and that was actually very much the same approach they had with Capture the Flag. They had said several times that they tried Capture the Flag and it didn't work. And then when they announced it, they basically said, so we said we didn't, weren't going to do it because it didn't work, but you guys really want it, so we'll give it to you anyways, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's unfortunately how it goes, but uh, yeah, I think I think it'll do well. I don't think it's going to ruin anything, and I think people will be happy, and they don't have to hear about people, you know, whining about it, so they're like, fine, just take it, whatever, you win. So it should be good stuff. Now, they are having, we mentioned last week, they're having their summer games events, and they're bringing back a bunch of stuff, and, and one of which was uh, a lot of new skins for your characters, and so they released a bunch or of skins. showing a lot of skins. Yeah! Cash money. Yeah, so skins, summer games, they look pretty good. I had to laugh at the Soldier 76. Did you see? <laughs> yeah. So, so he's got, so just just so you, if you haven't he seen it He looks like me when, I'm, when I was barbecuing this afternoon, basically. <laughs> right, right. So it's this, this, you know, soldier guy. He's got the short white hair crop, you know, going on. He's got this uh, barbecue apron on with all this stuff. And he's holding the gun. But if you notice in the underbarrel of the gun, it says A-salt rifle, which is so many layers of, of humor, I think, right there. So that that one tickled me. That's probably my favorite one. But they really, I think they got, I saw like maybe like eight different skins for different people. I think that there's a couple new ones in there. Am I right? Yeah. So the big thing is that when they first did the Summer Games event last year, um, it was uh, around the Olympics. So most of the uh, skins and, and other add-on cosmetics were based around Olympics and sport themes. Um, so this year they kind of widened it out and added a lot of more just summer. So there's there's a lot of swimsuit skins and stuff like that. Yeah, for the record, my favorite on the Soldier seventy six was the white athletic socks and the uh, yes and the sandals. <laughs> <laughs> Total dad outfit there, I love it. Yeah, that's that's probably my favorite one as well. That's that's a real good one. They, but yes, they, you know they do these really well. I, I will have to say that um, their their job on how they how they I mean these seemingly innocuous things like hey, it's just an avatar it's you know you could do whatever you're not even really looking at it when you're playing the game but everybody else can and you know they can see it and you desperately and it's and some of them are just really really well done some are very humorous um, I, I would say that uh, this is probably again one of those one of those games that's relatively simple in its design but is probably going to have legs for a very long time because of things like this. They can keep sort of making it fresh. And I'm like, I like me and my, me and my eight year old jumped on just cause we were like, Hey, I think they got a whole bunch of new skins. So he wanted to hop on and see if, you know, see what they had. He's got a couple favorite characters and he was, he, he was really eager to see if any of them had, had new, uh, uh, you know, the, the new summer skins. And then he immediately pesters me to use, like the the loot or the uh, was it the credits or whatever on my account, so I can purchase the skin. Even though it's like, yes, but it's not on your PlayStation, so I have it and I didn't want it. It's irrelevant to him, but it, it's it's pretty cool. They do a really good job with these things, uh, and they usually tend to g up some of the maps and stuff a little bit. And I think they've got like a soccer or some kind of a kind of a sports sportsy arena game kind. And yeah, a couple so, other things going on. So they've uh they've remastered their game their special game they did last year, which is Lucio Ball, which is um it's it's a 3v3 soccer game where everyone is Lucio, and it's the best way to put it is clunky Rocket League. 
Um, it, it looks a lot like Rocket League. It plays a lot like Rocket League, but with a game that was not at all designed to be played like Rocket League. Um, it, it, I would say they fixed it this year. They made it a lot better. Um, they changed up the ultimate ability that they gave Lucio for the game. Um, they made it so you could no longer knock other players out of the way, which was mostly just used to screw with goalies. Um, you know, a, a couple of quality of life changes that actually made the game mode a lot of fun this year. You know, I kind of imagine the first time they rolled that out, it is kind of a pet project that some employee kind of dreamed up and they just kind of threw it together. And went, oh, yeah, that's that's kind of fun. We'll stick it in and see people like it. And, you know, that that probably came out pretty rough. But, you know, I figure if they're going to do it again, they could probably take the time to actually polish it up and make it a little more, you know. Well, and I mean, this it, Lucio Ball was actually the first time they did like a, a extra game mode thing. And that really turned into a much bigger thing where in, you know, successive events, they've had like whole PVE modes and stuff like that. Um, and I think that was a big part of what eventually became the whole arcade thing that let them do capture the flag and deathmatch and everything else. Yeah, no, I think it's it's always fun to kind of if you can have kind of a low effort sort of game mode you can add in that just it's quick to make but provides something that's you know drastically different than what you know the main game is you know that can be kind of fun i mean we've seen that happen in other games too so i mean hell i think uh ccp did something with uh what was it like the the side scroller one that they had where they kind of threw together eve assets to make a side scrolling game that they eventually turned into like an arcade machine and it was kind of just this thing they dreamed up in the back room you know on a coffee break so you know that that can be kind of fun i think to to kind of give your fans some some variety even if it's not meant to be kind of the same level of polish as the main game so i think it's fun so moving along uh it has been about a year since no man's sky so about a year since my 18 quintillion planets rant um and a lot has changed for No Man's Sky. Uh, it's a game that I, I do not play, but I do keep an eye on it because it is an interesting uh, interesting game to see kind of develop over time. So uh, No Man's Sky has had a couple updates. I think they've had two updates uh, in the last year. And so they're releasing one called Atlas Rises, which is the update 1.3, I believe. Um, and this is, this is a pretty big one. This is the one where they're trying to kind of actually deliver a little more on what the original promise is. So it adds limited multiplayer and so when they say limited multiplayer it means that you can have up to 16 people in the same area but you won't actually see like another person standing there it's just like a ball of light i guess and so the stuff they do kind of affects the world around you so it is you're in the kind of the same shard but it it's not going to be 16 dudes in space suits running around with, with laser guns so it's it's kind of limited in that regard you're not going to see people you can't interact with them too directly, uh, but you will have like proximity chat. So if you're around the floating ball of light that's another player, you can talk to the microphone, presumably, and they can hear you and you can have a conversation. So I think they're trying to add kind of the option to have, you know, certain planets that are populated more that you can go to and, and set up bases because the base building was something they had, you know, in previous updates. And so that they're bringing multiplayer to the game finally, even after they lied about it the first time. And there was no multiplayer, which was discovered very quickly um, in the first like two days, I think, when the game came out. So I guess that's good. Um, they, they admit that this is not a complete system for multiplayer, that they intend to make it like a proper multiplayer eventually. Uh, but this is just kind of their their start on making it work. So take that for what you will, but they are trying to make the effort to bring multiplayer to No Man's Sky. They've also added a uh, story mode, which is uh, 30 hours of content, apparently. Um, it revolves around this alien race that's zipping around, causing trouble, and you know you have to 
react accordingly. So hopefully that adds some longevity for people that are playing, you know, some stuff they can actually work on rather than just wandering around aimlessly. So also good to see. And I think they also added a bit of an update to the graphics system. The, the game looks a little bit better than it did before, which is, you know, always nice. So uh, yeah, that, that update's actually out right now, I think, for both the console and PC version of the game. So, you know, it's it's coming along uh, since since a year, but, uh, you know, they might eventually get to where they, they promised initially. So did they... I, I, I freely admit that I am not uh, entirely dialed in on on No Man's Sky, like the history of No Man's Sky. I was aware of it, obviously. Uh, and I think we've covered it, like particularly when it was, it was coming out, but... Did they was one of the original premises that it would it would have you know this sort of open uh, MMO type experience or was it always sort of meant to be a singular sort of exploration type of type of experience? We were well, told that the game would have multiplayer. Well, it was it was stated of. it was stated that it was technically all in the same universe, but that there were so many planets that you would never actually encounter anyone else. Except that within a couple of days, some streamers realized they were on the same planet, on the same area, and they definitely were not in the same universe. And developers kind of took a shit, because it was like, well, there actually is no multiplayer, because despite all odds, we did run into another player on the same planet, in the same area, and he's not here. So, presumably they just hoped that they could say it was multiplayer, and no one would ever find out, but that went bad real quick. So, so that, so I'm just, just so I'm clear, that was a straight up like they Bye. like they yeah they straight up lied to the fan yes. base or was it were they trying to cover words? No, they they blamed us. Okay, okay. No, I, I was just curious. I knew that there was obviously some dramatic uh, letdowns, but if again, if you look at these games that uh, in, in very uh, Molyneux esque sort of way, you know, promise everything. That that is usually a massive red red flag for me. Uh, anytime I. I you know, the, you know, sort of the Peter Molyneux games, anytime you've ever looked back at those kind of things, if you look at things like No Man's Sky, or I, I know we give Zell a lot of tra- you know, crap about uh, Star Citizen and all that kind of stuff, but like when you look at those games that promise so much, um, I, I am always a bit of buyer beware, just like right from the get-go. And for what it's worth, um, I guess... Star Citizen has actually pulled back their their date on on 3.0 now. So, <laughs> yeah, no, you should always be like like Jay said. You should always be very cautious. You're promised the world. Um, I I just don't think anyone had gotten burned as badly and as large of scale as people had on No Man's Sky before. And so when it went down, it was like, oh shit, like uh, the worst, the worst actually happened. I mean, I, do you have a better example? No, no. I mean, I, I, I honestly don't, but I, it, it's, it, we've seen some big flops. Let's be real. Like, sure. But this was, this was hype to the max. This was like destiny level of hype, you know, yeah. <laughs> like th- this is huge. And it just, it went down. So, I mean, you've got smaller titles, indie titles that promise the world and, and flop and, and that happens, but this was like mainstream level stuff and it did not go well. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair enough. Well, I'll tell you what. I, maybe what we can do, like one of our upcoming shows, is we can get we can do a uh, biggest game flops kind of episode. That'd be kind of, that'd be actually be a pretty good segment we could do. Maybe like uh, next week or something like that. Yeah, the, the biggest disappointments we've had from from gaming, and yeah, I think that'd be a good one. We'll we'll touch back on that one, but uh, yeah. So I, I think people have gotten a little more wary of of this sort of thing. Um, 
I mean, No Man's Sky is a good, uh, sorry, uh, Star Citizen is a good example, but I think they've actually delivered more on what they've promised than I think No Man's Sky actually did at release, admittedly, because they haven't officially released anything yet. That's, you know, final release, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's going to be forever in beta, but you get what I'm saying. Uh, but, I mean, it's it's good to see that at least a year later, it's a hell of a wait, but they're starting to get what they were promised in No Man's Sky. Um why this wasn't included originally, who the hell knows? You know, there's development hell that these things go through, and you have, I imagine, untold stories of shit that's gone down behind doors, closed doors at development studios. But I imagine that something really weird happens uh, over at Hello Games. I mean, we've seen other games where you can tell that something went wrong, and you just it never came to light, but you can tell the, the after effects like uh, Final Fantasy 15 obviously had some issues in development. Battleborn, another good example. You can tell just by looking at it, there was some weird shit that happened behind closed doors. and The final product did not at all reflect <laughs> what they were trying to do. Um, so, you know, I, I played Battleborn. I played Final Fantasy 15. I like both those games, but you can tell shit wasn't done the way they wanted it to. And it's just they had to ship it, so they shipped it. Uh, and No Man's Sky is clearly another, another example of that. So. It happens, um, but it, at least you know people are people still play it. I see people on Twitter posting screenshots of whatever the hell they've been doing for a year, but they're still playing it. So it's obviously holding people's attention to some degree. But hopefully, this update will kind of bring people back and, and kind of reinvigorate some interest in the game, and hopefully, they can continue with this pace and keep releasing stuff on a regular basis, and you know, keep players engaged. So I do hope the best for them. It's just shitty that they kind of lied about a lot of stuff um, up front and couldn't deliver on it. So, you know. So another game that's actually been uh, updated fairly well, um, this is one we talked about over the last couple of weeks, is Rainbow Six Siege. Um, this is the one that Bait picked up and he's been enjoying uh, playing over the last few weeks. Uh, and, and Rainbow Six Siege also went through kind of a rough start. Um, not so much un- unfulfilled promises, just didn't sell quite well. Uh, eventually went to kind of a uh, free-to-play model where they said, hey, we're going to delay all of our DLC and we're going to focus on, I think they called Operation Health, where they took in a lot of feedback from players and really focused on improving the quality of the game and upping its you know, production value and that sort of thing. And it worked quite well. The game is, is actually going quite strong. It's it's doing well in the free-to-play model. Um, obviously, like I said, pulled bait in. You know, he's been giving it a shot and he likes it. So you know, it's been doing well. And they, I think they're at a point where they feel... Uh, they are comfortable with kind of the health of the game, and so they're going to start pushing forward with releasing some more of that content that was promised. So uh, they did announce earlier this week that the Blood Orchid update is coming. And this is going to bring in uh, three new operators, uh, two from Hong Kong, one from Poland. Uh, and that's going to be available on August 29th if you're a season pass holder. But if you don't have a season pass, it's going to be uh, available on September 5th. So you have to wait a little bit, unfortunately, but... Uh, you know, if you do have that season pass, you can get access to those characters right away. It's also going to bring in a new map. They've kind of hinted that it's going to take place in a theme park, which could be kind of cool. Uh, not an actual confirmation on that, but that will be free to everyone on August 29th. You don't have to have a season pass to get that one early. You'll have access to it right away. So uh, you might have to wait for the characters, but the map will be available later this month, which is pretty cool. Uh, so <laughs> we, I see that they kind of made a comment that they must have been listening to our show last week um, because of this new map. So you're pretty excited for this one? um yeah i uh i i guess so i mean the new map would be nice you sound enthused a fireball of enthusiasm (laughs) over the radio right now yeah man i'm kind of like you know yeah i'm pretty i guess i 
Hyped? Hyped? Is that the word? Hyped? I'm, sure. yeah. I'm adequately excited. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a map. Um, hopefully, uh, the map will be good. I know I, I, I did say that the game, I feel like, does need more maps. So uh, this should be good. Um, the other maps aren't bad. It's just they come up so often in the cycle that it, it gets repetitive. Um, so hopefully this will kind of throw things off uh, for a week or so. And then we'll be back to the same old shit again. <laughs> but you know, I, I am excited to see what the operators are. Have they released other operators in the past as they were doing updates? Yeah. Um, yeah. Are they pretty well balanced when they come out? Like, do they they manage to tune that well? I know some companies kind of like they bring new characters in; they're usually kind of broken at first. But do they um, do them? They're as, not, as far as I know, they are. Yeah, they're not. I mean, uh, like, trust me, the the like. The the uh, the different operators they have are not like their skill sets are not generally so game breaking, so, and and you don't have right. any crazy mechanics going on. You know what I'm saying? It's not like mm-hmm. an Overwatch, like because of the things that that game does or that characters can do that are just you know like kind of over the top fantastical. You can very quickly generate an OPness, you know, with a character if it's not balanced right. Whereas like in in Rainbow Six, like a shotgun still a shotgun, a rifle still a rifle, a pistol still a pistol. You know, and there and there's some different things you can do, but there's like the individual like skills or the different things that these operators can do. There's I, I mean, I don't bait you tell me. I mean, in my experience with the game, I would you know, it's sort of it there, doesn't there, it's variations on the margins. Yeah, pretty much. It, it doesn't seem like in my, you know, in my bit that I've played it so far, it doesn't seem like there's any one ability if you will, that that I could see being OP or being like abused so hard it becomes OP and you know has to has to be nerfed. Um, it's all relatively you know straightforward. Uh, so you know you're throwing throwing cameras and stuff that gives your team a slight edge. But you know, uh, like what's been previously said, it's nothing game breaking. Now, with that said, though, obviously there are. Um, there are uh, certain operators that are used more. Like I can guarantee you, just about every match, there's going to be at least one twitch, um, or you know something like that. Um, so there's definitely, a, and you kind you kind of do see you know the same operators. I feel like being played uh, over and over again, and I, I, I'm not sure if that's related to the other operators not being as good. Uh, if, if that makes sense compared to the ones that you do see come up often, or if it's just luck, I guess that I'm getting put up against the same operators. Although I, I have a, uh, I have an assumption that that is not the case. Also, we've been talking about Rainbow Six being free to play for the uh, for the past two weeks. I don't see that game on my on my Xbox's free to play section, so we might want to might want to look at that. Are you, are you saying you don't see it as free? Yeah, I don't see it as free. Like it's not on the Xbox on the Microsoft Store's free to play section. I can't help you if you're playing an mm. Xbox. But I'm seeing on, on Google, I'm seeing that it's it's had a couple of free weekends on Ooh, PC, PS, uh, PC, Xbox, and PS4. But at this point, I don't I don't see it, it, it again. At least on Xbox, I don't know about PC and I don't know about PS4, but it is not free to play on. Box. Hmm. I could be totally wrong on that one. Now, if it isn't free, I imagine it's still probably pretty cheap. It is an older game. Uh, probably about forty bucks, I reckon. 
Uh, uh, no, it's lower than that. It's looking like let's see, Steam is fifteen, I think. Yeah, I guess I was yeah, wrong I about it. being free to play. Yeah, it's thirty dollars on PC via Amazon. It'd be thirty on a PS4. About thirty-seven fifty on um, Xbox. Yeah. Okay. So I guess I'm. I do apologize. I was wrong about being free to play. I, sw- I swore that they they changed that over. I was almost positive, but I you know we get it wrong sometimes. But yeah, it looks like on Steam you can get Rainbow Six Siege Starter Edition for fifteen bucks. Yeah, I I think it might have been a limited time free. Yeah, I, just, I did. A, I did a quick check, and it's like a lot of free to play now, free to play this weekends, right? Mm-hmm. Which does happen a lot for a lot of games. Um, but yeah, as true, far true. as you know, going totally free to play, no. Okay, so yeah, so, that, yeah, no, I do apologize. That was on me because I think you you tried to correct me last week, Bade, and it was I did. You, yeah, you were right. <laughs> um, so yeah, it looks like the starter edition is fifteen, and I guess it comes with less operators when you first start. There's like a different system for unlocking the operators, uh, or you can buy it for forty, which I think comes with all of them unlocked. So it's it's kind of like a reduced sort of free to play. So it's 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 kind of like a free to play mechanic in terms of unlocking stuff, uh, but it is it is fifteen bucks base price. Right. I have I the have starter edition. Yeah, how that. How that works, from what I understand, you buy the you buy the little bit more expensive one, and you get uh, yeah you you get access to I think they're year two operators or year one or year two operators. Um, you might even get both um, at a, like a discounted um, in-game currency cost or um, not in-game currency, but um, almost like experience points uh, cost. Gotcha. Okay. Okay, well, that's an interesting model. That's that's a little different than what I'm used to, but I can I can see some value in that. Where it's if you want to pick it up for cheap and maybe put a little extra time in it to get the full value, that's that's not a bad choice to give people. So that's that's not bad. At least it gets you the ability to you know give it a shot for for less. And I think um, like like we said before, they do do a lot of free weekends, so you can kind of get in there and give it a shot and, and see if you like it or not. So uh, yeah, worth keeping your eye on. I think. I just realized that. So earlier, I was talking about you know seeing the seeing more operators pop up than than others. It's because the ones that aren't popping up are the ones that are like stupid expensive with the the experience points. Gotcha. Okay. So you got yeah. you got the fifteen dollar version then. Uh, I, I I assume so. Yeah. I got gotcha. Free for me. So. Well, <laughs> well, is that like what you're buying? Really, is like access to access to characters. <sighs> I mean, all the map, not, you get all the maps, right? Not necessarily access, I would say, but more of a discount, if that makes sense. Because right now, um, so each each uh, special forces unit has, I think, four operators or eight, whatever. It's got some number of operators, and the price, the cost, the experience point cost of them goes up from five hundred. To a thousand to fifteen hundred, and I think to two thousand. So there's there's four. It's um, two attackers and two defenders. Uh, and then with the with the ones that I assume come in the the year one and the year two, uh, I guess that would be like the deluxe versions um, are like a hundred and twenty or is a hundred and twenty or twelve thousand five hundred. It's one of those two numbers. I think it's twelve thousand five hundred. Uh, in game uh, experience points. For for the cost, so it, I I would assume you would get uh, a discount on that for for buying the uh, the deluxe. Hmm. So it almost sounds like it's more of a DLC package, just kind of built into the core game. 
Yeah, like yeah, fifteen, you but you that. pay you pay like you know, I guess twenty five bucks more to get access to all the stuff faster. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that. that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. So not free to play, but it is uh, not too expensive to at least get access to the core core experience. But if you want to get everything, you know, right away or at least faster, it's going to be about forty bucks, which isn't too bad. And it really is well worth the. Uh, what did we say? Wasn't Steam Pokey fifteen bucks? It's well worth the fifteen bucks. Fifteen. Yeah. For the yeah, start edition. You know, you get you know three of your friends or even another friend, and uh, just get fucking drunk and you're set for for uh, about four hours or whatever. That game is fun with with a Okay, sounds good. So moving along here, uh, I did mention Gearbox and, and Battleborn at one point, but so Gearbox, uh, more famously known for Borderlands, the Borderlands franchise, uh, and they had some other flops like uh, Colonial Space Marines and Battleborn, but Borderlands is kind of their their one that's been you know bringing home the bacon form of the last decade or so. Uh, they teased a new game that they have codenamed Project 1v1, and I want you to follow along with this because it's a little weird. It is, quote, it combines the fast paces of 1v1 first-person combat with the metagame strategy of a collectible card game. Uh. Yeah, so um, I, I don't know. That, that's, they really have given no details on it other than, hey, you can sign up for a closed tactical test at project1v1.com, which we'll get a link in the description. I signed up for it because... I, I I don't even know what to expect, but hey, you can give it a shot. But yeah, so it sounds weird, which is a little scary given some of their flops recently. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I don't know it's why not, everything has to have cards these days. It seems to be so the new is, thing. I mean, is the, so does it describe like when it says one v one combat? Like, what is the what style of combat are we talking about? It just says first person combat. Doesn't spe- specify if it's a shooter or a melee or what. It's just first-person combat so, one so there well i it's it's interesting it's 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 an older game but it's called hand of fate it's uh it's a smaller not quite indie pretty well pretty decently reviewed uh it's got some flaws in it but it's it's basically imagine like tmg like uh like magic or something like that but when you deal out the cards and you and after you play out the cards basically that defines the arena the conditions and all of the different things going on and what capabilities or or buffs debuffs and weapons that both sides have and then it takes all of that from the card part and it forms an arena that you then play so you can like use like i want you know uh trap filled mazes and let's do this and and then i'm going to give myself like a, a plus five sort of ass whipping or whatever and then that creates the the 1v1 environment uh and and characters slash minions in the that you fight over uh which i thought was pretty novel i'm very interested to see how the game actually actually does that but if it's something along those lines that might be kind of cool but you know i'm not really sure i i'm trying to i have a hard time trying to figure out uh like how this will actually play out. Just, I mean, I know it's a thin description, but I'm just trying sure. to, in my head, try to figure it out. Well, it says metagame strategy. So what you describe would actually kind of make sense with that verbiage where it's not you're dealing cards out, you know, you know, freaking Yu-Gi-Oh style in the middle of a battle sort of deal. It's just a, you know, hey, you're going to build a deck and you use that deck to define conditions or at least give yourself an advantage or disadvantage. And then the 1v1 combat is the actual, you know, 
actual gameplay. It's it's not the cards are kind of what happens before, and then the 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 one v one is what actually happens in the actual fight. So that could actually be kind of cool. What you described actually sounds pretty pretty neat. So if they go that direction with it, I'd actually be kind of interested. But yeah, like I said, they're they're very tight lipped about this. They're just like, yeah, it's this top secret project we're going to tell everyone about. Um, <laughs> but you know, sign up for our our closed test. So like I said, I signed up for it. Um, we'll get a link in the description for if you're interested in signing up. I don't know what to expect, but you know, throwing it out there because Gearbox can make some pretty solid games, so it might be worth taking a look at. Yeah. Um, just for just for everybody's knowledge, uh, that sign up is only for uh, PC. You have to have a Steam account associated with uh, with the account that they make you create. So it's not consoles. That's good to know. I must have missed that. Okay, so good stuff. Um, another game that got a big update is uh, Epic Games. It's the guys that make the Unreal Engine uh, Paragon, and Paragon is kind of their take on the traditional MOBA genre, where it's you know you're directing minions down a lane and, and that sort of thing, kind of a League of Legends sort of deal. Uh, they got a big update. And, and actually, Paragon has gone through a lot of very big updates. They don't really care about kind of upending everything they have and starting from scratch and a lot of stuff. And in this update, which is titled A New Dawn, uh, kind of does that again. They've they've kind of overhauled the hero system and how you kind of build up your, your heroes and, and you know uh, progress them and how you kind of fit them with different abilities and that sort of thing, uh, which apparently is a, a big departure. I don't play Paragon, but I do talk to people that do play it. And this is kind of of a we're stop we're gonna not we're gonna go a completely different direction with this and kind of see how it goes so i've heard good things about the update so far i think it is live now on their test server so you can check it out if you you know are currently playing paragon or are considering getting back into it um but yeah they've, they've really changed the the hero system and apparently they actually ramped up the uh kind of the cooldown on the abilities and the attack speed just to kind of make the game feel faster paced, which is actually one of the big things I disliked about Paragon when yeah, I first it's... played it. It's very, very slow, which some people like. It's a very deliberate, you know, every shot is incredibly important. Um, I prefer kind of a faster paced sort of deal, so it was just a personal choice, but it seems like they're shifting it more to a fast paced gameplay at the very least to make it a little more uh, in line with an action game and less of a very slow, deliberate, you know, sort of game. So that's one thing to consider. I, I will state that um, I actually tried Paragon again a couple weeks ago. Um, I was actually looking for space on my hard drive. Paragon was still installed. Um, and I had remembered that from the time that I initially tried it to uh, recently, there was big updates that supposedly completely changed the game. And so I did try it again uh, before I uninstalled it. And I did uninstall it. <laughs> it was still boring. So we'll see. Yeah, you know, it's it's something I probably personally am not going to get into. Uh, if I do play a MOBA, I'm usually playing Paladins. And I play that very infrequently, maybe once a week. Um, but the game looks great. Like, it's a very, very beautiful game. It uses the Unreal Engine extremely well. Um, and if you are kind of looking for a MOBA to give a shot, you know, it, it's it's unique in in some ways, other ones that I've played. So it's worth at least exploring. It wasn't my cup of tea, but that doesn't mean it was a bad game. It, it seemed very well designed. It's just a personal preference kind of drove me away from it. But, uh, you know, I, I do suggest you check it out if you're kind of interested in, in that style of game and, and maybe see what the new update has to offer. And if you didn't like it before, you might like it now. So I, I will suggest that you give it a shot if you're interested. So one more thing, uh, and I, I promise not to dwell on this too long because we've kind of beat it to death uh, over the last couple of weeks, but Destiny 2 got some uh, a little more information. Uh, Edge Magazine got a hold of the copy of the game and actually played through the entire story. 
And they basically said that Destiny 2 has uh, about 80 activities and 50 cutscenes. Um, they weren't really clear on what an activity qualifies as. Um, I don't think they mean uh, 80 like story missions. I don't think it's quite that much. Uh, it's probably going to include story missions, strikes, raids. Um, it might even include some of the adventure activities you can do, which is kind of a, a lore-driven um, Running is mission. an activity. <laughs> Running is an activity. Is an activity. You will reload. That's an activity. Um, so it's a little unclear on what activity means, but I don't take that as um, 80 story missions, but it is probably 80 uh, sets of... They said that they're, they're lengthy. It's not like just a do a public event sort of deal. I don't think that's what was being included in it, but it's probably story missions, strikes, raids, maybe these adventure things, that sort of thing. So it's it seems a little more sizable. To kind of put it in perspective, uh, Destiny 1 at launch had 20 story missions, 6 strikes, and 1 raid. So that's 27 activities if you're including those three. So at the very least, it seems to be um, an upgrade from what we had with Destiny 1. And, and the, the amount of content at launch was definitely a big uh, point of friction with players. So hmm. hopefully they learn their lesson. Um, when they Obviously, when they added on the expansions for Destiny 1, and that, that helped kind of uh, embolden the, the content quite a bit, which helped a bit. But, you know, at least at launch with Destiny 2, it looks like it's a much healthier place in terms of content than Destiny 1 was. That should be kind of interesting then. Yeah, I mean, I've I've come to terms with my expectations for the game, and if I can get some decent hours out of it and have an okay story and maybe some PvP, I'll be satisfied. I'm not looking for epic space opera like I was the first one. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, it should be good. I got to figure out that actually still. Yeah, sounds good. I I am kind of interested in what they what they mean by activity. I I assume it is some. Uh, you know, conglomeration of, like you said, you know, like different strikes, raids, and story missions, and things of that nature. So, it should, like, I, I, I'm interested to see how this game turns out because the more I'm looking at it, the more I realize that uh, I, it really seems as though the developers have uh, diverged uh, noticeably in sort of what they want to shape the game around and for, uh, from a PVE experience uh, to or a a co-op PVE experience to much more focused on PVP. Uh, so I'll be kind of interested to see how this kind of works out. Cause I, th- I thought the formula in the original destiny, if they could have like basically you know, filled out the game around it a little bit was pretty solid. It gave you a potentially world-class PVE experience, co-op PVE time. And, uh, and some of those six man raids were, were wickedly good. You know, they were mm-hmm. really, really good. So I, I think if, you know, they definitely put a lot of bank into that. And then the PVP was really just, you know, it was a bit, it was a bit of a second fiddle. It was sort of designed that way, it felt like. But it worked fair, you know, fairly well. A lot of people flipped out and, you know, went bananas over it. But I guess if you play video games 20 hours a week, that's kind of a – people do that. Um, I always thought PVP was you know, pretty solid, but I really played it before and after I was doing something co-op or on my own. Uh, but it's definitely, I think Destiny 2 is really taking a hard, hard turn into the PvP lane, or they want to. Yeah, they're 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 pushing for the esport thing. I mean, you can just see it in how they're doing, how they're structuring everything, and and trying to balance it all around the PvP. And you know, it, it it's not what I would do with it, but you know, I'm not going to discount the the PVE experience, which is what I'm there for. Um, the PvP, like you said, is, is something that I just did to fill the time once I did my daily PVE stuff, and I was like, okay, I got an hour. I'll I'll do Crucible for an hour and, and see how it goes. Um, hopefully they don't shift too far away from the PVE, and hopefully they, they really 
really kind of expand on it and not just totally shy away from it. But, uh, you know, we'll see. Right. Uh, you know, it, it, like I said, lower expectations this time. Um, I'm still probably going to enjoy enjoy it for what it is, but uh, yeah, we'll see. And we'll obviously be covering it as uh, as it comes out. I think it's September 6th or 8th, I forget. But uh, yeah, so it's coming up less than a month here, so we'll be, be sure to hop in on that and let you guys know what we think as soon as it comes out. So one thing I want to discuss briefly, um, and this is, this is a game that I just kind of, I haven't played it, um, and I've actually kind of been revo- avoiding a lot of reviews because I, I think I probably am going to pick it up. Uh, but so uh, Team Ninja, the, the guys that do like uh, Ninja Gaiden, um, and they do like The Last Devil May Cry, uh, they're, they're kind of known for their, their action games, and they do a pretty good job. They wanted to kind of approach this concept of smaller budget, smaller game, but still have the same AAA quality. And so the idea was that they were going to make a much shorter experience um, of a game. It wasn't going to be a big, 20 30 hour experiences could probably be like you know eight to ten maybe 15 hours um but it was going to be at a cheaper price so they're going to have a smaller budget but they're going to sell it for less than the standard 60 dollar um price tag which you normally see on games these days but still have the same polish and production quality of what you would expect from a triple a game so what they came up with this game called hellblade senua's sacrifice and it kind of follows this journey of a nordic warrior who has some um, mental problems or trauma, but she she's not quite right in the head. She's she's suffering from some kind of mental trauma, and so the idea is that it's kind of trying to approach an experience of a story from the eyes of someone who has to deal with all the issues that come with having kind of mental trauma, and uh, it's going to be like I said, a shorter experience, like eight to ten, maybe fifteen hours of gameplay uh, for a thirty dollar price tag, and as far as the quality of the game, it looks great. If you, if you took a screenshot from the game or even a clip, you would no doubt go, yeah, that's the same production quality as, you know, uh, God of War or Destiny or, you know, any big title game. So the quality is there. They, they delivered on that. And I just kind of wanted to get your guys' thoughts on the concept of, you know, as the budgets of these games get really, really high and they're expected to kind of take these big risks in what they're doing, or sorry, not take big risks in what they're doing because there's huge budgets. They just, they just want to sell quantity and just get the game out there. Um, and they, they want to sell, they want to make what they know is going to sell. And so you kind of get these games that are all kind of, you know, they, they, they feel overly safe. Assassin's Creed is a good example of they've got a formula, they stick to it. You know, they, they, they're just not going to deviate from it because they know they're going to keep selling it. Call of Duty is the same way. They're not going to deviate because they know they can keep selling it. And they can ramp up the production and get these big, epic, cinematics um, games going on. But you kind of lose a lot of the diversity. So I think what what uh, Team Ninja is trying to do here is, is make a game that they could do on a smaller budget with the expectation that, yeah, you're not going to get a full $60 game worth of content, but it's going to let us take risks because if it flops you know, we, we spent half the amount of money on it, um, and so it's not a big deal. So what do you guys think of this idea of game companies taking a smaller a smaller risk, less budget, producing smaller games, but selling it for a price that's appropriate for what they produced? Do you think this is going to kind of... Do you think people, other developers will latch onto this, and it'll actually, you know... Uh, you know, help develop developers have a different avenue of producing games, take more risks, give us a little more interesting stuff? Or do you think they're just going to stick with, you know, 60 bucks, 
20 hour game, you know, it's going to be the same thing you've played before. Uh, what do you guys think? Do you think this is kind of a, a new era, a new option of, of the way to do things, or is it going to be the same as before? I feel like we've had this conversation before. We have, but this is a good game that, you know, I, I think shows it's getting good reviews, by the way. It's getting like eight, eight out of 10, nine out of 10. You know, it, it's doing quite well. So, with it being successful, do you think that's going to change anything? No. I think is I think is the short answer. Um, the uh, there there have been some bigger game studios that have kind of floated around with some other, th- um, but I don't. You know, I, I remember like reading in two or three different places. Like, I mean, to put out something that looks like uh, you know one of these yearly big release titles. You know that we you know Call of Duty, it Madden, NFL, whatever. Um, that. It wouldn't surprise me that if in the grand total of people that actually touch that game over the, you know, over the course of that one year of making it is like multiple, like, you know, three, 400 people, you know, when you count like subcontractors and the set and the others. So I don't really think, and, and they know that that's in, in these bigger studios turn these, at least the yearly releases or those that are a, you know, nearly a yearly release when you count all their DLCs and all this other stuff, that's those things are machines. You know, they don't have a lot of, a lot of other time. Um, and, and I see most of the large gaming studios, they're going for tent poles that they can not just a good game once, but then, you know, with the advent of DLC, you know, that, that is basically in my mind, ultimately DLCs primary function is to keep you interested and tide you over and to give you numerous different, forms of the game to continue to spend money on while they build the next iteration of it uh, solely. So I, I'm not really sure that that's a thing. Uh, and if you, and what you the, the type of games you're describing, what you usually see is uh, you'll like some high quality people that have left those environments because they don't like the machine. Uh, and then they tend to form, you know, smaller game studios. Uh, and then they go for that market, you know, almost like the, you know, they're like the, the guys that live and die in steam. And they do really, really well. Some, well, relatively speaking, or they can, uh, you know, put out a game about every every year, every year and a half, maybe a couple. And they're the ones who are probably more likely to to shoot for those fifteen dollar games, and you get a significant return back on investment. You know, that kind of thing. So, I, I'm not really sure that the bigger studios will do that. Uh, I could see them potentially wanting to harness smaller studios and put them under their umbrella like it, one thing i think would be kind of interesting for something like blizzard to do right you know so they've got a a really specific quality level that they uh, that they attach their games to that, that they attach their name to but if they took like you know like they had like a small branch or a wing that was you know maybe not blizzard but like you know fucking you know whatever a smaller blizzard is like flurry you know whatever and they scooped up and they would, if not scoop up, they would basically like sponsor or uh, go for um, producing, not necessarily the actual development design, but like in terms of like producing as in, as in like game producing or uh, like a movie producer almost as opposed to a director. Uh, some of these you know smaller, smaller studios that are putting out really, really high quality stuff, you know, that that might be a way I could see them going. But I don't know that's going to change the status quo right now. I just think there's so much wrapped up in what they're doing. It's, it would be hard to break loose. Now there's probably a, a line in the middle there, like a gray area that you could kind of work around with, but I, I'm not sure what studio would go for that. 
Yeah, I mean that's fair, and I, I think that what and I, I, I'm sorry, I said Team Ninja before. It's Ninja Theory is the the developer. Um, I think what they were trying to go for is kind of like what you described between that sort of smaller indie level, and, and they're like, we're going to dedicate like a small group of our team to do this side project. You know, it's not going to be our big tentpole project that keeps going for the next year, but it's something that we can kind of do off to the side and, and see how it goes. Um, I know that Square Enix actually will do something kind of similar where they will actually sponsor and support indie developers with games that they feel kind of fit their their brand um and then they'll publish and you know help help market them in in that that kind of goes like more towards the indie side of things and like i said i think ninja theory's uh goal was to kind of push more towards the middle ground of between an indie game and a triple a 60 dollar game and then try to give you something in between i don't know if it's going like you said i don't know if it's going to change the status quo um It'd be kind of nice if it did, um, just to give developers the opportunity to try things a little more unique. Um, but until people start really, really rejecting the whole, we're going to hatch out the same shit every year and you're going to keep buying it, I don't think that the need to do that is going to really show itself to developers. And, and unfortunately, I don't think people are going to ever really truly reject that, unfortunately. Um, it's going to kind of be going to be up to certain game companies to go, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to try you know, unique things and, and take those risks while everyone else does the same thing. So, yeah, I kind of agree, Jay. I don't think it's going gonna, it's gonna to change much. Um, but it is it is good to see people, or at least developers, thinking about this kind of concept. Um, and I, I think I will probably pick it up to kind of show support for the idea and, and see how it how well it does. You know, um, I, I would I really, truly hope that it is as good as people say it is. Because um, I, I want this kind of model to succeed because I think it could be a really good thing for the, the industry as a whole. But uh, will it change anything? Tough to say. But, you know, it is good to see that it worked at least, that, you know, people are liking, they're, they're supporting this idea. So we might see a few more of these pop up, and I, I hope so, but it probably won't cause a industry-wide revolution, unfortunately. All right, so moving along here, uh, this is the part of the show where I hand the mic over to Bate, and he's going to review his game that he played that's available on Xbox uh, Gold for free this month. So, Bate, tell us a bit about Slime Rancher. Yeah, so uh, Slime Rancher is the is the Xbox One game that's free for, I think, like the first half of the month, and then um, it'll go to Trials Fusion in, should be tomorrow. Either tomorrow or Tuesday. Um, so Slime Rancher. It's exactly what it sounds like. You are a rancher on an intergalactic planet with, that's kind of on this like this Western setting. Uh, it's actually really cool, and I, I think it works. Um, and so you're going around, and you are you are uh, collecting slimes with your you have a little vacuum gun, and so you're collecting slimes and you're putting them in in cages. Um, ooh, when I first loaded in the game, I, I thought I was enslaving them or something. And uh, but it, it's really fun. It's really cute, uh, actually. So you put them in your cages, and then you know they certain slimes like different kinds of food. So you feed them and whatnot, uh, and they poop out um, your your what's going to end up being your currency uh, throughout the game. So there's you know different slimes have different um, they call them plutes. Um, and which sell for which are worth. Uh, different uh gold amounts um obviously there are some that just aren't worth it uh that aren't worth as much as others um and so that's how you're generating income and with this income that you're generating uh you are you're building up um you know you can add higher walls to your slime cages and then roofs and then um 
automatic food eaters and flute collectors and all this other really neat stuff. Um, there's a lot of just even different slimes to collect, which is kind of cool. Uh, and they have some that look like cats, and uh, there's there's like actual chickens and roosters, and, and uh, the chickens and the roosters will have chicks, and you can feed the chicks to the slimes, and they'll eat them. It's really uh, it, it it's entertaining for about an hour and a half, I'd say, and then you kind of go like, eh, okay, I gotta play something else, um, which is what I found myself doing um, uh, throughout the throughout the the first couple of weeks of the first week and a half or so. I, guess um it's a shooter it, it's not a shooter it's a it's it's in that first person mode that first person perspective which i actually didn't expect it it honestly threw me off um when i when i loaded in and i thought what the you know what is this um but it, it actually works really well i know we're used to seeing that that shooter uh that first person shooter uh, perspective on um you know on like call of duty and battlefield and you know um shooter games if you will um but i i think for this it, it does really well god damn it sarai stop it i'm gonna fucking kill you uh sarai's pinging in in discord apparently he can hear um fuck where was i shit help me out somebody um any Anyway, um, you, were, you were enslaving slime people for your own yeah, devious thoughts, uh, and then you were making money off their feces. Yes, and I'm that's right, their slime poop, off their okay. off their feces. Um, so that's really about <laughs> it. Uh, you enslave slime and make money off their feces. Okay, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. You know, there's there's little upgrades for your person. As far as oh the story God. goes, <laughs> can, like, this is the best <laughs> game ever. It's it's, it's interesting. oh my god. Um, you can you can get upgrades for your person that like you can they allow you to carry more slimes uh, in your little vacuum slot uh, and more poop and whatnot, more food. Um, it, it's 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 fun. As weird and amazing as it sounds, um, but yeah, like I said, as as far as the story, as far as I can tell, there really isn't one. Uh, you just kind of they kind of just plop you into the middle of the thing, and you're like, oh, okay, I'm enslaving slimes and forcing them to live in a cage. Um, and there are really no real enemies to fight, uh, as best I can tell. Put about six hours in the game. Um, it's a port of a PC game. You, I, you should be able to go pick it up on Steam. Uh, multiple people have told me that the Xbox port is. Uh, uh, worse as far as looks and and how it plays than the than the uh, the Steam version. It doesn't, you know. I I can't tell the difference, but also can't really tell the difference in frames. So take that for what you will. Plays fine, looks fine to me. All right, so it's a good game about pooping slimes. That's great. And then I'm going to follow up next week with uh, probably ranting about Just Cause Three because it, it probably embodies everything I hate about open world games. So that'll be a fun one. I'll try not to go on too long about it, but that's the one I'll be reviewing next week is the uh, Just Cause 3, which, yeah, yeah. I'm not looking forward to that one. I'll have to probably get drunk for it, which might help. Might help. We'll see. All right, well, I think that's that's it that's for this week. Anyone else have any topics you want to touch on real quick? Take that as a no. All right, shout-outs then. Zell, buddy. I'm giving my shout-out to anyone and everyone who commented on anything relating to the whole Google Google memo gate thing because oh God. it has just been a personal amusement to me that every day I can go on the internet and see more 
of this endless hilarity. Um, it's it's a great kerfuffle. Um, there is many opinions from many people, and it just amuses me. And that's all I'm gonna say. I want to lock Zell and leave her in a room, and then just say Google memo, and it'll be like two Chihuahuas trying to like kill each other. It'll be great. <laughs> okay. All right, uh, Bate, you're up. Uh, I would like to give my shout out to Spotify. So I booted up my Xbox last night, actually, and was very pleased to see that Spotify finally released their Xbox uh, app. Um, so now I can, uh, listen to music and play games at the same time, uh, without having to have my phone open, uh, without having to have Spotify open on my phone, uh, sitting right beside me, which is really cool. Uh, so shout out to that. Um, it's been a long time coming. PS4 has had it for a while, if I'm not mistaken. I think even PlayStation 3 had yeah. it. Um, so that, that was quite a surprise. It's kind of creepy because it's already pre-installed. Um, which kind of made me worried, but whatever, I'll accept it. And then I'd like to give a shout out to, uh, some really good, uh, chip dip I had that was made with, uh, was it, looks like cucumbers and a little bit of mint and Greek yogurt. Really tasty. And that's why we'll be launching uh, a new YouTube series along with Dungeon Crawl, uh, Cooking with Bait, where he makes chip dip and talks about it. Dude, I make a baller ass panini. <laughs> All right. Uh, my shout out's going to go to uh, Ninja Theory for kind of taking a risk with uh, Hellblade. Pick that game up, give it a shot. Uh, it's something I I've I kind of didn't notice for a long time, and I just popped it in the last couple of weeks where I was keeping an eye on it. So love the idea. So shout out to those guys. They make really good games, period. Um, say what you will about the last album may cry the story was kind of bullshit but the gameplay was really tight so i mean you, you can't you can't argue against the, the quality of what they make so good company um looking forward to giving that one a shot all right and i'm gonna have jay do the final shout out you're up man okie dokie i've actually got a, a couple uh so i'll kind of break these up a little bit um three easy ones and then one a little bit a touch more deeper so First off, uh, I would like to, I did not do this the other week, but I'd like to give a shout out to the Ramones for Blitzkrieg Pop and Spider-Man. Huge fan. That's one of my favorite all-time songs. Big big fan of the Ramones from way back. And the fact that they they, they really captured that movie uh, pretty well in terms of the soundtrack. I, I was a big fan of the, uh, the throwback to the original Spider-Man uh, theme in the opening credits. So... Shout out to the runs for Blitzkrieg Pop. Anything, anytime that makes it into a Marvel movie, that's it's a win. Um, also, so what I've been doing recently is using the PS4 for a lot of the other things other than games. So we've we've been using that to uh, have like YouTube YouTube bingo sort of sort of in the house where we'll put it up and then we'll just like, oh well, I saw this. Well, hey, let's let's look at that. And we we like shotgunned like. 12 episodes of Carpool Karaoke by James Corden, which, is, by the way, is phenomenal if you haven't seen any of those. Uh, they are abs- Some of them are just really, really hilarious. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, that show, but it's, it's quite good. Um, so we've been kind of using a lot of, um, uh, a lot of the different, you know, kind of interesting features of the PS4, and it's actually pretty cool. Uh, so the somewhat more heavier shout-out, uh, it's not a game review or anything like that, uh, like that. But uh, I would recommend if you, you know, you got to be a little bit mature about it. But if you want to look at something a little bit, a little bit different in terms of a game and, and a little bit more uh, out of the mainstream, uh, I reckon you, I recommend you check out that Dragon Cancer by New, uh, Numinous Games. It's uh, it's a little older. It's been out for 
you know, about 18 months, you know, not, not quite two years. Uh, but I, I, I'd heard about it uh, from another podcast down, you know, downloaded, it, checked it out. It's, it's technically got a, you know, it's got a few flaws, but it's actually pretty well done. It's kind of a point and click kind of game. Uh, you know, sort of your, your old school point and click, like looking for things and like having some basic interactions, but it's definitely, it's not like telltale, uh, like you're, you're trying to tell like a, a verbal story, but there is a, it, it's, it's essentially, uh, the recounting of the two lead developers and designers, uh, you know, their sons fight for cancer, fight against cancer rather, which he, which he unfortunately lost. Uh, so that was, that was a, a, a very emotional sort of thing that you don't normally prescribe in terms of games, but it's, it, it was pretty powerful. Uh, you know, the, you know, the, the couple basically, you know, they're game designers by trade and they had a four-year-old that was uh, diagnosed with cancers with cancer, excuse me. And uh, it's about a two, and a two, two and a half hour game. It's not too long, but it's absolutely riveting when you, it's basically replaying a lot of the experience that any parent would go through or almost anybody with a loved one, loved one would go through who is uh, battling a, a significant disease. And, and it's like a singular experience as you're going through it. Then at the very end, as you're walking through the kind of the final uh, hallway, uh, in the hospital is at the end, you see all these cards that are all over the walls. And when you look at the cards, every single one of them, and there's a lot of them, every single one of them, they are basically the people that, that, uh, you know, they're real people with real stories, with real names of here was my son or my daughter or my sister, my brother. Um, very moving. So, uh, I, I would recommend that you take a look at it. Uh, it's, it's not, it's not world beating gameplay or anything like that, but it just, in terms of an emotional activity, I do recommend checking out that dragon cancer. If nothing else, it, it is a very imaginative way of, and I assume is probably a form of catharsis for the two parents too. Uh, but it's, it's pretty well done. I mean, like I said, it's not, it's not groundbreaking by any stretch of the means technically, but very different than what we'd normally talk about and normally play. So I would take, I would recommend that you might want to take a look at that. Uh, you, it'll hit you in the feels uh, and rightly so. So those are my shout outs for the week. I've actually looked into this game quite a bit and uh, I haven't played it, but it is, yeah, it's everything you're saying about it is, is really spot on. It's, it's good stuff. It's just really heavy, but uh, everything that I've seen about it is, is really quite good. So I, I would suggest people check it out. At the very least, look up kind of uh, their people's thoughts on it. It's it's pretty powerful stuff. So yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Um, but yeah, so that's our show for the week, guys. Uh, appreciate you all tuning in. It's it's been a good one. Uh, again, if you want to be on the show or if you have any particular topics or games you want us to kind of talk about. Uh, do let us know. All the contact information is on the website, biomass.com or biomass.net. Uh, you can also find us on the Dust 514 Veterans Discord. Bait and I are in there pretty regularly in, in Zell Pops every once in a while. So we're, we're there to chat as well if you want to come say hi. So, uh, yeah, so everyone have a great week and be safe out there.